This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is November 19th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Heather Thomason, and I was at Hofstra from 1997 to 2001. Okay. And what shows and programs did you work on? My very first show that I did when I had to do the engineering portion um, was uh, Basha Sid's Poker Show, actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was very interesting and fun. I loved working with Basha and the two uh, groups that stick out in my mind that she used to play were Stanky and the Coal Miners, which I thought was a very unusual name for a band, and um, Frankie Yankovic, who I realized was Al Yankovic's father, Weird Al Yankovic. Um, so th- those were the the two names that stick out in my head from that time. And I, I bet there's a lot of us who engineered for Basha over the years who are hearing those names and going, oh yeah, I remember those. So that's great, great memory. What other shows did you work on? I worked on Hofstra's morning wake-up call, so I started out uh, just as a newscaster, and then eventually I was a co-host, and then I worked my way up, and I was hosting it for for a while toward the end. Um, I was a little nervous about it because it just seemed to have so many moving parts during the show, but I did it. I just went through it and took a deep breath, jumped in, and it worked out. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Um, Did you work on any of the other weekend shows or any public affairs community programs? Not really, but side note, after I graduated, um, I was really good friends with someone named Chris Simone. He, I think, graduated the same year as me, either that or he was a year older. I can't quite remember. So Chris, if you're listening, reach out. Um, But because I haven't talked to him in a long time, but we did an episode of Anarchy, and that was a weekend show. And you basically just went on and played whatever you wanted. And Chris was a big 80s fan. In fact, I remember he played, part of his playlist was Kate Bush running up that hill. That was mm-hmm. one of his favorite songs of all time, like favorite 80s song. So Chris was on that before it became all trendy now that Stranger Things is out. Um, But I remember vividly that being one of the songs. So he was the 80s buff and I was more of the 90s alternative Radiohead, Soundgarden, things like that. So we said, well, why don't we just take our two genres and blend them together and make one show out of it? But we really scripted it. You know, we um, you know, wrote everything out. And, and so we had all our stuff that we were going to say in between songs. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun on a Sunday night. So Anarchy, yes, I, I did an episode of Anarchy. Um, but I didn't really do I did listen to a lot of the weekend shows. I liked Airwave. I liked all of that stuff. But um, yeah, I was a pretty much a, a Monday through Friday kind of gal. <laughs> That um, that '80s and '90s mashup sounds great. Sign me up for that. I will. I'll, I'll pay to listen to that. Um, did you have any titles or positions at the radio station? I didn't go for anything like program director or anything like that. I was just your garden variety on air staff. You know, um, okay. it was just enough for me. You know, it was enough because I I also 
I was nervous that taking too much time would also kind of put a dent in my time that I had to study and do my academic work um, because I really needed to keep up a certain GPA. I was there on a lot of scholarships too. So I was always kind of mindful that I needed to pay as much attention to my studies as, as to this um, I wouldn't even say hobby because I did graduate with a degree in radio, but, um, you know, I was always a little nervous to take on too much and then, you know, be in a jam when it came to getting my papers done or projects or whatever I had going on for my classes, you know? Well, out of all the people I've spoken to so far, uh, you're one of the very few who said, I'm going to concentrate on my studies. Usually it's the other way around where the radio station wins out. And, and the books and the term papers get pushed off uh, to the side. So, so good on you for, for following up on that and getting your education because a lot of us didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, my husband always says I was a nerd and I'm like, okay, well, I wear that title proudly, you know. Um, I don't know. It's just, I mean, since I majored in radio, I, a lot of my classes were, you know, radio based. I had a lot of different, I, I you know, back in the day, I think it was... Um, like the AVF classes, audio, video, film. I don't really know what they're called now. So it'd be interesting to, to listen to some of the newer, uh, you know, graduates, I guess, and, and figure out, you know, what they call the classes now and how things work over there. But I remember it was like AVF 111, AVF 161. So there were all different things in each class. You really had to do different things, you know, um, and there was a lot of audio production elements to it, obviously. So you did have to spend time in the studio creating something or other, um, you know, so it was interesting. But yeah, I always wanted to make sure that, you know, I had time to really get put in the work so I could get the good grades, you know. <laughs> good for you. Um, when you were on the air, did you have any nicknames or on-air names? No, I think I just went by Heather. I was pretty plain. <laughs> nothing exciting by any means. Um, I did do Jazz Cafe. Oh yeah, I didn't mention that. I did Jazz Cafe. I think that was actually my first combo cleared show. Um, like I said, I was a nervous Nelly and I remember at the time Casey Miles called me because I had really been kind of hiding behind the engineering only slots. So he called me over a Christmas break and he was like, you know, you really need to start doing a combo cleared show. And I said, I know, I know. So um, I ended up doing Jazz Cafe and that was my very first one. Um, and then I got more involved with, with Hofstra's morning wake up call, like I said. And by the end, I was a pro. And that was when we were making the transition from the old fashioned carts to mm -hmm. the digicart system. I don't know if you remember making that transition, but then all of a sudden I was like, oh, digicart, like what? There's no carts anymore to just, you know, shove in like an eight track. No, everything's on this digicart machine. And then sometimes the, it would freeze and stuff would happen. So I was always nervous about that. But, you know, as you do it, it just becomes second nature. And I just remember after a while, just like pushing buttons like crazy. And, and it just becomes like breathing eventually, you know, but it was a big, exciting time to be there at that point, because we were converting from a lot of analog stuff into digital stuff, you know. Um, mm. I remember like when I was taking the class, the training class, when I got accepted, and we had the class, you know, we had to show them that we could 
rewind debt machines, you know, rewind a debt and, and queue up a debt and queue up a record and, you know, work with carts. And then it became more digitized, which was great, you know, but it was very interesting to be there at that time when we were really making the transition from, from analog into digital. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I, I want to hear more about that, but I want I want to go back to the beginning. Uh, I like to ask, what is it that first brought people to the radio station? It sounds like you had radio and communications in mind uh, as a major. You know, if that's what brought you to Hofstra, and if you could fold into your response, I always like to know what what was your first impression of the station? What did it look like? Do you remember who you met? What was going on at the station when you first got there? Oh boy. Okay. Well, I. Hofstra was the only college I applied to, which sounds crazy because everybody I know, you know, they've, they apply to like 10, 12 schools. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I considered uh, Emerson in Boston because I knew they had a good communications program, but really I didn't want to be too far away from home. You know, like I wanted to go away to college and live their experience, but I didn't want to be too, too far away. So Hofstra seemed to fit that bill for me. And I knew they had the radio stations, but I really, you know, I took a chance because I just put all my eggs in one basket applied and then applied for the radio station and I got in, which was amazing. Um, and I remember Sean Novat calling me to tell me that I was accepted into the training class for the radio station. And I just couldn't believe it because, you know, radio was something I wanted to do for a long time, mainly because my grandmother pretty much raised me. Um, you know, my mom was a single mom. She worked. So a lot of the time I was home with grandma and she listened to the radio all the time, you know, all different talk stations. And um, at the time, I think she used to listen to WNEW when they used to actually play music. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I remember all these things from my childhood in, in the early 80s. And um, I just had the radio on in my house all the time because that's what she listened to. And I said, oh, it might be cool to to do that one day. So I always kept it in mind. And as time went on, um, you know, it just seemed like natural to, to end up doing it. Um, so there I was. But like I said, I really took a big chance because Hofstra was the only school I actually applied to. Looking back, I'm like, that's really dumb. And I would, I have two kids myself now. My daughter's 11. And I'm like, I would never tell her to do what I did. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's just crazy. <laughs> How did your, your, your mom and your family react when you said, I want to go and study radio? Because it's not the most common thing to study at school. You know, I have to say my family were always very supportive of me and whatever I wanted to do, they were going to be behind it. Um, you know, I don't think my grandmother was that surprised, like I said, given that, you know, she always listens to the radio. So it was always on in my house. Um, I never really gave TV a thought, which is interesting, you know, mm. but um, yeah, I don't know. It just always was there, you know, and it just seemed like, like, the people on the radio were your companion, you know, like you could never be lonely if there was a radio on in your house kind of thing, you know? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Did you have an idea of what a radio station would be like before you went to Hofstra? Did you, did you have a, something in your mind's eye to, to imagine this is where I want to be? Oh, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I mean, I, you know, 
as I got older, you know, I listened to some of the morning shows. I think at the time, you know, in elementary school, I started listening to Rocky Allen on WPLJ and then Mm -hmm. he ended up leaving. And then I listened to Scott and Todd. And then I really got into the idea of morning shows, right? Because this was really cool. You got to play music, but you also got to talk. And, you know, I just liked the whole format of it. So then I went along that route. And I guess that's how I ended up saying, oh, hey, I think I want to do Hofstra's morning wake up call because it just seemed like the next natural step. Wow. So, so you make this decision to go to Hofstra. You, you're aware of the radio station and the program. Um, what was it like when you first got there? Did you do a tour? Did you get to see the station before you applied or was it just, and then, and then how did you get down there? Was it just, you started going to school and you walked into the station? What, what was your introduction to the actual physical place? I do remember when I was, I think I had already applied or I was in the process of, you know, going to apply, I did take a tour. I did tour Dempster Hall and they did show us around the whole place. You know, they showed us everything, the the radio station, the TV station. Um, you know, I remember, oh gosh, what was his name? Bob Green. He was the guy, he worked at Newsday, but then he was on staff in the journalism department. Um, And, you know, he talked to us for a little bit. So, you know, the thing, the cool thing about Hofstra was that you had all of these professors there or, you know, staff and residents that were legit. I mean, you know, at the radio station, we had Ed Ingalls. You don't get more legit than Ed Ingalls, you know. And then, you know, the journalism department, they had Bob Green and they had uh, Mr. Knowlton. I forget his first name. But, you know, so these were people who were professionals in the field. Um, and you were learning from them on a daily basis, which was amazing. Hmm. So that was like my one big wow factor. I remember, and my uncle came with me on the tour and he was just really impressed by the fact that they had these people who really were professionals in the field and they were going to be teaching us. Um, you know, so, so I felt like I would be in good hands, which was nice. You know, the other thing was, I remember, I mean, to me, you know, I wasn't, um, I didn't have a preconceived notion in mind as to what the radio station would look like. I remember, and people who are older than me, you know, alumni that are way older than me are probably going to laugh at me when I say it. But looking back, I mean, I think the radio studio itself was pretty basic, you know, when I started. And then again, I was there during that transition when they redid the whole thing and they really you know, ripped it apart and added all this new technology and made it really fresh looking. Um, And it really ended up looking like a very professional radio studio at that point. Um, You know, so like I said, again, going back, I I look back and I said, wow, I was really there at a very great time because we really went next level in a lot of ways. Hmm. So, so you do this interview process, and I guess maybe Sean was part of that, and Bruce Avery, and maybe yes. Ed Ingalls. Can you walk us through that, and then into the training class? What did you get out of the training class? What was something that was memorable from that? You know, I don't remember too much about 
my interview or anything, I do remember talking about my grandma and, you know, the fact that like radio was a part of my childhood. And and Mm. I said, you know, maybe if I pull on their heartstrings a little bit, (laughs) they'll be more inclined to take me. Um, You know, so I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I might've had to write an essay. Honestly, I could be making that up completely, but I do remember, um, you know, alluding to to the fact that like yeah I listened to the radio with my grandma and stuff like that so um and I and then I remember the phone call from Sean saying I got in um and then I remember starting the class and I remember after taking after sitting through the first class I think I was scared to death I was like oh my god am I gonna be able to do this because it was very it was rigorous right like you couldn't mess around like you had to be on point and you had to jump through all these hoops. And if you didn't jump through all the hoops, you weren't making it. That was it, you know? So I definitely had a point where I got a little overwhelmed. Like, Oh, can I really do this? I don't know. Because, you know, Hofstra radio is a serious thing. You know, they, I mean, they win awards constantly, right? They, they win awards all the time. They, do award-winning election night coverage. So this is not just some little cheesy thing, right? This is a legit media outlet, you know? Um, And they want to make sure that the people that are representing them on air can can get the job done. So, um, you know, we had a lot of fun and I I made a lot of friends and, and it was a great group of people, but, you know, there were definitely standards that you had to meet. And sometimes you got a little nervous well speaking for myself i mean you know they they would tell us things you know coming up on the horizon or what we had to do for the tests you know um and i was like oh my goodness you know we had to know all these things and do all these things and i said oh so it was a little nerve-wracking you know and i we were i remember all of us being kind of nervous like oh my goodness are we gonna make it you know? <laughs> do you remember other people who were in the class with you uh, I remember, well, Danielle DeLillo is unforgettable. So <laughs> anybody who was in my cohort, you got to know Danielle, you know. Um, she brought the, the the party to it. You know, she was just always happy, peppy. Nothing brought her down and she was always ready to go. Um, and, you know, like I said, I remember I became very close with, with Chris Simone. Um you know, there, there was just, there were a lot of people, but like I said, Danielle just jumps out at me. <laughs> and then you had the older, you know, the, the older, uh, upperclassmen, you know? So like when I came in, I think Joe Ramore was there. He was a senior. I want to say, I remember Mark Johnson, um, Anthony Garcia, mm-hmm. Sarah Roche, mm-hmm. um, Sean, of course, Dan Rakowicz. So they were all, you know, they had been there for a while. I think they were all like at least juniors. Some of them were seniors. Um, And, you know, we learned a lot from them. But I just remember looking at them being like, oh, wow, like they really have their stuff together and not really knowing if I would ever kind of make it to that level you know they just really seemed like they were confident they knew what they were doing and we were all sitting there like oh (laughs) (laughs) so so you get through this class 
And and to call back to what you were saying earlier, that you were very nervous about getting on the air. And I guess you first started out just doing uh, engineering, doing being being behind the board. Do you remember that that process of getting cleared for that? Yeah, I mean, basically, you had to show that you could do the basics, you know, like turn the mics on and off and, you know, cue up a record, cue up a debt, cue, you know, cue up a CD, all that stuff. I mean, very looking back, I mean, basic stuff. But, you know, when you're just starting out and you're like, oh, my gosh, all these people are going to be listening, you know, it's just it is a little nerve wracking, you know, and then, you know, being an engineer, you also don't want to mess up the show for the host. Right. So now, you know, because now I'm like, okay, this all reflects on Basha, you know, so I don't want to mess up because I don't want things to reflect badly on her kind of thing. But she was so patient, you know, and if, and if you ever did make a mistake, it wasn't like any of them, you know, bit your head off. I mean, you know, I know the community volunteers, all of them, like I didn't, I know a lot of them, you know, worked with Irv and worked with, um, I want to say Nino and his wife. I don't mm-hmm. the the Italian show, right? Yep. And then there was Tony who did the Irish show, and um, you know, so all of those community volunteers were amazing because they really let us cut our teeth, and they put their show in our hands, and they you know they took a chance on us, but you know they knew that it was a learning experience for us. But at the same time, for me, I said, oh, I'm, you know. I am representing them when I'm doing my thing. So I really did my best to not make any mistakes because, you know, you just didn't want to mess up the show for them because you wanted them to be able to put out the best show they could. I I think I know where you're going to go with this, but I'm going to ask about your first time getting on the air. Do you remember how you felt getting on the air, if not the first specific time, but that idea of getting behind the mic or or pushing the buttons on the board? What what were your feelings like? I think I really just tried to get through it one second at a time, you know, like I, because I have a tendency to think, I mean, you do have to think ahead. That's the thing. And I'm, I wasn't always super good at that, you know, like thinking 10 steps ahead and multitasking. I really had to train myself to do that because, um, you know, it, it like you, you do have to think 10 steps ahead in a certain sense, especially on the morning show, like Hofstra's morning wake up call. You really do. You have to think about what's happening now, but also what's happening five minutes from now, a minute from now, you know? Um, And I think at a certain point, I just realized the only way I'm really going to learn it is by doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, you can't really be prepared for all eventualities. And that was another issue I had because I liked to be prepared for all eventualities. That's just kind of part of my personality. But in radio, you can't always do that. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. you have to be able to think on the fly if something does go wrong. I mean, luckily, I was never really in a situation where anything meant, you know, went majorly wrong. But we did have our steps that we had to follow. Like, I remember even in the training class, it was like, okay, if, if such and such happens, and you have to call this number, call this person, do this, do that. And I just remember being like, oh, please don't let that happen when I'm on the air, you know? <laughs> do you can you think of a time uh when you realized you were comfortable on the air or you felt confident in what you were doing was there a particular moment or or a time period where maybe six months in or a year in you thought yeah i've got this i know what i'm doing i feel like 
I can't really, I, it probably wasn't until later on, like, you know, junior year when I was really hardcore in Sahafsha's morning wake up call that I felt um, confident finally, you know, because like I said, then everything kind of became second nature. You know, you could push all the buttons and, and set up your your stuff on the digicart without thinking twice about it. Like I knew the numbers of all the carts by heart at, at a certain point. So I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, it flowed. Um, and then, like I said, jazz cafe was kind of the same thing. Like I, as, as time went on, I definitely became more confident and comfortable and, you know, experience is the best teacher. Um, so yeah, it just, it, it worked out, you know, um, it just worked itself out. That's all I can really say. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've mentioned a lot of great names and familiar names. You talked about Danielle and Sean and Bruce and Ed Ingalls. Uh, it sounds like oh, you had Michelle a... Lisi. I can't forget Michelle Lisi. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, uh, but I was going to ask, when did you feel kind of uh, socially comfortable at the station? When did you feel like, okay, this is the environment. I made the right decision. This is where I'm going to spend my time pretty early on i have to say um you know and also you have to remember like you're taking most of your classes with a lot of these people because you know i I mean i don't know if radio was their major you know some of them probably yes some of them maybe not but you know so so you really saw everybody a decent amount between the radio station and your time there and then your classes so that was even better because you got to collaborate with them on your school projects and you know work in groups for for certain projects um you know so so it was great I mean it was just they were a really great group of people I feel like my cohort was was just amazing and you know we had some crazy things that happened during that time like I remember um Danielle's dad passed away you know, and everybody really came together for her. Mm. And my senior year, like two months before I graduated, my mom passed away. And it was amazing how people really, I felt like they, you know, of course, they really cared, you know, it wasn't just saying, oh, we're here if you need us kind of thing. Like, I remember people, you know, calling, checking in, Ed Ingalls himself, you know, called me because I had taken a little bit of time off. And I remember him, you know, in his Ed way, calling me and kind of saying, well, you know, you do what you want to do, but I think that you should come back, you know, like you should, you know, finish strong kind of thing. Because at that point, I was only a couple of months away from graduating, you know, and I think looking back, like he was right, because I think he realized that this would be therapeutic for me to come back and do my thing. Um, you know, so I will always remember him and be thankful to him for that, that he didn't, you know, just kind of let me fade into the the background, you know? Um, so I, I am definitely grateful to him because I think, you know, he helped me avoid falling into a, a funk, you know? That's, um, I'm so sorry to hear that, that, that happened. Um, it's such an important time in your life and what a, what a major event in your life. And, um, I think it says so much about the Hofstra radio community that, that, uh, Bruce and Ed and Michelle and others helped to foster that, 
there was a support network for you and then that there were people who would step up and, and look after you. And, and I think that's, that's a real wonderful testament to, to the community and what it does for, for us as individuals. Yeah. I mean, it was huge, you know, having that, it gave me a reason to get up in the morning kind of thing, you know, like after it's like, Oh, you know, this happens and your world is turned upside down. And, yeah. you know, I'm so glad that he, you know, realize that even if I didn't realize it at the time, right, that, you know, I needed to do this. So I really am so grateful to him. And, you know, he was just an amazing man. Yeah, so many people talk about the his Ed's radio career and and the things that he accomplished. But uh, what really shines through, and I think this is a, a through line with all the people I've talked to so far, is there is there such a um, an interest in the development of the character of the individual. It's not yeah. just about radio. It's not just about, you know, slinging records. It's about who you are as a person and how you handle situations. And I think it's really, um, I mean, obviously it's such a, such a tragedy for you, but it's, it's wonderful that you had this group of people and you weren't just a student going to classes that you had this community uh, to kind of lean on at this time. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I mean, I'm so thankful, you know, that they were there definitely mm. um we have the benefit of hindsight in looking back at your uh Hofstra career at the relationships and friendships that you formed at the time uh and the things that went into your radio career after you left Hofstra but can you go back into your shoes as an 18 year old you've been accepted to Hofstra you know you want to do this radio thing what did you hope the station was going to be and what did it become I guess I hoped that the station was going to just be the first step in a, a career in radio, right? I didn't know exactly where it was going to go or what form it was going to take. But, you know, I saw this as my chance, you know, mm -hmm. um, I figured, hey, this is the chance I'm going to take it. Like I said, I, I really, <laughs> I... I bet it all on, on Hofstra, you know, like mm -hmm. I just said, okay, this is it. Um, and luckily for me, it worked out and I, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of skills, not just radio wise, but just in general about life. And like you said, you know, who I am as a person, how I'm going to handle situations, um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, as an 18 year old, it's kind of hard to imagine, what the rest of your life is going to look like. You know, I guess you just kind of make one decision at a time and hope it works out for the best. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but it, but it seems like you got a lot more out of it than you could have possibly imagined as an 18 year old. Oh, sure. I mean, really as an 18 year old for, for me, at least, I mean, I had never even lived away from home ever. Right. So this was a big deal. Like, yeah, I, was responsible for myself. Like I was cooking for myself. I was grocery shopping for myself. I was doing my own laundry. I had never done any of that before, right. you know? Um, so yeah, it was a big lesson in, can I do this on my own? And I think I proved to myself that I could. That's fantastic. Heather, thank you so much for sharing these stories. This has been really delightful hearing your stories and uh, I've got more questions and hopefully we can uh, share some more stories sometime.
Well, thank you for making the time for, for speaking with me. My pleasure.